one of the topics I wanted to talk to you about was uh, FOMO, because um, I know that was something you're interested in, in bringing up. And I was just curious, what are your thoughts on how FOMO is controlling the space so heavily nowadays? Oh, God, man. How much time do you got? Oh, I have all the time in the world. <laughs> I think, and I think that conviction right there is exactly what's needed when it comes to FOMO. Right? I mean, it, I think the, the issue is that the, the concept of time is, is, is a construct, right? So, so uh, the moment we start believing that people tell us we have less time, uh, that's the moment we kind of rush into it. And I think if there's if I've ever seen an industry that is more driven by the feeling of FOMO, it's it's a crypto space, right? I mean, it's it is as if you're seeing just the just the overall consciousness of mass investors jump into the same decision within almost fractions of seconds. And I think the solution to that is to is I think the same reason that we shouldn't have uh, notifications that are voice enabled on our phone. Uh, not even vibration unless you're actually expecting to be, to be uh, notified about something there's so much urgency about everything and the fact of the matter is it doesn't need to be right? the fact that the things that are urgent when it comes down to it is such a small fraction right? it's, 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 it's so few things in life that become urgent if it is we learn how to pace ourselves and it's, it's a classical it's a classical uh, mental model, like you know, the, the the idea of investing in in anything, really, it it takes it takes a moment to actually verify what it is that you're going into. But that moment is something that we feel we can't afford, and it's it's definitely also kind of a culture, I think, for now in crypto. Right? Everybody is. I mean, I think aping into things is a terrible way of of describing an investment strategy. And I say this having. I mean, I aped into Xenix at two at zero point twenty eight ETH, man, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, and that was only because I actually really liked the project, right? I think it's the it's probably the most expensive NFT I've ever bought, um, and and I have a few now, but but I just really like the project, and I was convinced that people, okay, this this people see the same thing as me, and, and the more I stay here, the more I realize that you know it, it is those paper hand mentalities that, that exist in, in the interim. But I think slowly we're starting to see them being weeded out, which is good. Um, but I, I fell for my own advice on that. So I'm, I'm not going to sit there and preach like a like I'm some kind of enlightened being on FOMO. Uh, but I think to answer your question in one simple uh, sentence, it, it would be to understand that we have time, right? We really have time. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, I feel like the hype kind of drowns out all of the sense that we have and it just makes everything kind of tunnel vision into i have to do this now there is no other time this is it and you know i've i've tried to combat that i've tried to form a thesis of entry points and extra exit points and i mean i even find myself coming back sometimes and i'm like dang how did i just buy that when i definitely should not have bought that like that is not within my regulations at all and I just did it anyway because I just got so excited like the anticipation was just killing me um, but I think that's one of the biggest struggles honestly trying to maintain that that level headedness I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to ask you what is your positive experience with FOMO 
Um, oh, well, I, I mean, easiest example. So, Dormant Dragons just minted recently, and after I minted for whitelist, because I was whitelisted, I was like, you know what? I really don't feel like... I really don't feel like fighting everybody during a gas war for public mint. So I was like, I'm going to take the extra steps and buy a few dragons that are pre-reveal off the floor of OpenSea. And I did. And now I don't really have any justification for it. I just kind of really like the dragons. I'm not going to lie to you. At one point I had seven dragons. I was like really in love with the idea of the project. And one of them ended up being the rank 20 dragon out of the collection of 5,000. So, of course, I did make a profit off of being, like, super hyper-aggressive and just, you know, throwing money at the project. But that's really the only positive <laughs> example I can say of FOMO. Every other time, it's led to my downfall, um, which is why I had to form that thesis. Because I'm like, there's no reason for me to be wasting money on stuff that is almost guaranteed to not make any profit. Like, it's just, it's reckless. I love that man, and and I'm now I'm curious because you say, did you say that that decision was actually based on the output of a decision making process, like a thesis? No, actually, that it went against my thesis because I went against. Oh, I see. Correct. I just, I kind of just broke down. I'm not gonna lie to you. I kind of just broke down. I was like, uh, I, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. And it was pure FOMO. It was pure FOMO because I was like, if I don't get more now. I'm not going to be able to get more later. Now, looking back at it, um, post-reveal dip probably would have been a better time to buy in. At the same time, I would have missed out on that rank 20 because it would not have been sitting at the floor. Um, I still don't really think it was a good play at the end of the day, even though I did make a profit because it kind of just breaks the norm of what I was trying to establish, that routine. Yeah. I, I enjoy that a lot. And, and I think... I appreciate that you started you started this story with saying that you like the project, right? Right. Uh, because FOMO in my book is very much associated to that quick turn profit, right? And and I think that goes beyond defection. Right? You 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 FOMO into something when you feel you're gonna miss the boat. Right. And and that boat might be I'm gonna say it like this, this that boat is often the flip. Right. It's often that opportunity to, to get a four, five, seven, eight X back on your investment. And I think that's fair enough, right? Short like day traders strategy kind of you know follows follows that uh, thesis as well. But but it's it's the idea to say that the value I'm looking for is further ahead than just quick profit because I think there's I think that, that requires a little more sophistication. It actually requires you to enjoy what it is that you're doing, and not necessarily the output of it, right? It's it's, it's like chasing that high at the end of the sale, which might not be given for you if it is just jumped into something because everybody else did. Right. And, and I think, I mean, how many people actually enjoy the projects they invested in? That I, I don't know, right? I, I I feel my portfolio is slowly presenting itself as something that I actually look forward to, to coming back to right not not necessarily just selling but but i i believe in some of these projects quite uh, quite much um, and and that i didn't expect uh, i didn't expect my investments to become something affectionate to me so fast but but i think that's also what nfts does to you right it, it is as if you are you're not just owning a stock you, 
you actually take part of something that that is promised to be larger. Yeah, yeah. On that same line of thought, um, I'm told that you're trying to organize an NFT charity project. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think similar to you, I my investment thesis has, I mean, for the longest time, been I invest in what's weird and valuable, and that has kind of followed me in in a number of different decisions and. Lately, um, one of the investments we, we've made, uh, I, I, we have a family investment company, and one of the investments we made quite a few years back was in an international toy company. Uh, what they do is that they make these very quirky, diversified uh, dolls for children, um, and, and they represent the differentness that exists in children, which is pretty cool. Selling in 40 countries, uh, and quite cool, to be honest. Now. Uh, they are very, you know, brick and mortar based. But after figuring out that the NFT world kind of has this, I guess you can call it almost like a, a layer that makes uh, static products alive. The fact that, you know, you can uh, you can add attributes, uh, utility to your tokens. We started planning out a, a strategy for saying, okay, you know what? What if we could uh, make a financial product here? What if we could uh, create a uh, an, an art project that also had a utility effect to to give back to uh, a charity of uh, of uh, the choice of the community or the choice of the artist and uh, we are using the royalty function to um, collaborate with uh, a charity so that whenever the NFT is sold or flipped it uh, gives back to, to this charity for as long as it exists yeah, and, and on top of that, uh, the, the thesis of our investment company is uh, we are impact-based, so we don't uh, seek to have any emission. So we are going to do what I believe is still the first zero emission uh, uh, real product NFT uh, charity, uh, um, I guess we call it charity asset. Um, and, uh, and it's something, it's a little more complex to set up because we have an artist who knows nothing about NFTs and I've been scrolling the net to find a platform that actually offers uh, zero emission as a carbon offsetting on minting and sale of NFTs. But but I think I've had I've gotten the patches kind of lined up now. So now I just need to sew them together. Um, there is a new quite cool platform. Uh, I'm I'm in Germany right now, and there's a new uh, blockchain platform out of Zurich that uh, that is uh, zero emission, um, which is which is the one I'm I'm planning to use. Um, and I'm going to Copenhagen on, on uh, Monday to speak with the designer of these uh, these products to to set up a, a line. Um, and yeah, I call it the, the uh, Mudita uh, project. Mudita is the Theravada Buddhist word for the the joy of giving, um, such as you know the feeling I get when I provide you something good, um, and my thesis is to see if, if this can be a movement, uh, not just for toys, but for NFTs in general of, you know, uh, smoothening out the big divide when it comes to financial inequality of high asset trading. Um, but that's of course the, the long plan. In the beginning, we're just going to do a small selection, a collection of approximately 40 to 80 uh, products, and then we're going to see um, how it goes. Because, uh, yeah, I'm I'm all about just trying things out and, and seeing what breaks and then trying again. Yeah, that is that's an incredible idea. Um, 
I also want to point out it is such a small world we live in because I actually just got back in April from two years in Germany and I, I loved it there. Yeah, I was in a launch stool over near Ramstein, Kaiserslautern, and I, I loved it. Like the whole time I was there, I loved it. It was fantastic. Um, what, what were you doing there? Sorry. I was working in a hospital actually, uh, launch stool regional medical center. Oh, nice man. Oh, okay. Was it a relocation for you or? Oh yeah, yeah. So it was a two-year stationing there. I'm in the military, so they had me over there working in the hospital for two years, and then I went back to the states right after that was done. Oh, fantastic, man. That's nice. Yeah. But yeah, I am extremely excited to see what happens with your uh, your project. That that sounds like a fantastic idea, and hopefully, it sparks something new. You know, um, I feel like or lately we've just been so focused on what gamification and money tokens everything it's just it's gotten a, a little bit more skewed than just looking at art you know um which is unfortunate but i mean i'm sure we can still get back on track it's never too late i i think the yeah i mean jesus again returning to the comments and the discord right that mm -hmm. it's a very um financially orientated community that still exists very much at the core of this NFT space and I mean I don't think NFTs is particularly the best way to get rich to be honest um, I think there's many other ways out there to make money but I think the stories we've heard a little too often is is you know how much money you can make by leveraging some of this this uh, un, uncharted territory and making sure you get first in and and uh, first out on a, on a good opportunity on a good deal um, and I think that that's probably going to take some time before that becomes uh, less of the norm but, uh, but let's face it I mean what NFTs are is, is a technological function to add autonomy to digital assets and, and autonomy is not just a financial game right yeah. it's a lot of things that's, that's true um, I will say uh, you might not be able to get as rich financially speaking, but in terms of networking, the space is absolutely bonkers in terms of how many people you can meet and make make like authentic bonds and and connections with. It's it's crazy. Like even just from my first month in the space, I managed to meet hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people. It was it was crazy, completely unexpected. I really thought everybody was just going to stay in their own lane. And only pop into like the Discord every now and then, but I, I truly networked, like in a crazy fashion, and so I'm, I'm definitely really, I'm more excited about that than the financial aspect. In all honesty, because every time I end up in a new community, I seem to stumble upon more people like yourself and like the the Monkey Council who are just like on that that higher that higher wavelength. You know, they were just focused on so much more than what's right in front of them. So you touch a super interesting topic there, right? I mean, you, I like to address what you talk about as internal wealth rather than the external wealth concept, right? And it seems to me that you can, you can work with internal wealth on with the same principles as you would external wealth, right? Short-term assets. Uh, what is what is the gain you get in the short term from? From interacting with people as this the utility token for example right the community aspect of of Senate or any of the other discords uh, projects uh, NFT projects or other um, and I think it, 
we're getting closer to something that actually quantifies internal wealth. But internal wealth in, in the outside world is much aligned with mental health and the ability for us to feel valued among others. While here, my Discord now, I don't even know how many projects I have, but I always enjoy speaking with some of the people I've identified in, in, in some of these Discords. And it's such a weird, <laughs> it's such a weird way of speaking with people because most of them, I don't even know who they are, right? I just, I just genuinely have to believe that the interaction I have with them is one that is good-hearted and open-minded because it's been so far. And I don't know, I, I think that's very rare out in the, in the, you know, non-NFT world. There's a lot more skepticism around things. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, yeah, um, it seems like. At least in, in Zenape, we have a a lot of genuine people who are... It's it's almost crazy, actually, how many people have taken that step forward and have said, hey, I want to be of use to the community. And I'm like, really? For free? Like, you just want to offer? Like, you, you have years and years of experience in all these different topics, and you want to lay it all down on the line to help out all these random people you've never met, some of which you've never even spoken to in the Discord. And that that is just such an awesome thing to be a part of because I'm watching the community grow together and, and help each other. And for, for like, really, it's, it's for that internal, that internal wealth, if anything, because they're not getting anything monetary from, from sharing their experiences and their knowledge. And I see people supporting other people um, they come into the Discord and they're like, hey, I had a rough day. Um, can somebody help me out here? And you just see a flock of people just rush to that person's side. And it's just their natural response. Like, it, it's a glorious thing to be a part of, honestly. Love it. Hey, I'm curious to ask you, Susan, from your experience of watching this community and people's interactions, uh, what is it What is it that both prohibits and enables I guess you can say, what is it that prohibits their ability to truly deliver back and what enables them to give back? Um, because I think that exchange, uh, I mean, people can voice it, of course, but it, it is also difficult to come forward if you haven't done it before and say, you know, I'm not really sure what it is I'm good at, but I want to give back. What, what are your thoughts on that? Hmm. It's an interesting question, actually. <laughs> Because you're so easy to talk with, right? So, if if you could talk with <laughs> with twenty five thousand people, you would have solved that problem. But, yeah. but I'm also curious to you know scale that ability, at least scale that olive branch that seems to be digitally yeah, digitally offered by you. Yeah. Honestly, I th I think a large part of what plays into that equation is vulnerability. Because what I've seen is a lot of the people who are willing to jump out and help somebody else, they've also opened up to the group as a whole. So it's like a chain reaction. Now, it's hard for me to pinpoint where that starts for, for a person. Um, maybe that starts with me, um, but I've seen that it spreads like wildfire. You see one person who's opened up and they're willing to, to lay out um, whatever skill set they have because they've, they've already unlocked that door, um, per se. And so the person who needs help then um, they get that help from that person and then they then return the favor to somebody else as time goes on it just it's like a, a domino effect um, but I'd like to I like to believe that one person telling their story and, and explaining like what they're skilled in 
whatever that might be, that usually sparks it. something in everyone else's minds, and they're like, you know, if I self-reflect, I can figure out what I can be helpful in, and and that that kind of unlocks that. I don't want to say it unlocks that ability, but it enables them、um, to share that. I want to say so. I mean, the more people we get on the podcast,、uh, I feel like the more people will open up and start to offer their expertise because they might just be starting to warm up to the community over time. But as they hear more and more people kind of like show that vulnerability, I think I think more people will open up. I think that's that's a very strong statement, vulnerability, and because it's, it's such an Such a paradox, right? That the more vulnerable we we are, the more the more strength is offered to us, and the more the more compassion we actually get in return from from others.、Yeah. And I'm curious, maybe just a bit on the demographics. Of, what do you think the age, average age in the Discord is? I want to say it's. Oof! As soon as I started thinking about my answer, it got skewed because、um, I I. I honestly feel, right around the time of Mint, we had a lot of people who were between the age of I want to say eighteen and twenty-three, and there was just a lot of panic, a lot of uncertainty, and a lot of people trying to make quick sales. But then I also look at how people interact and and talk amongst each other, whether it's in the the voice channels or just in normal chat, and it makes me think that we're of either. An old soul, a group of people, or we're more in the twenty-five to thirty-five range of people. It's it's a it's a thing of maturity, I want to say, and that's why I say old soul because generally speaking, people who are considered to have old souls, they they tend to be a little bit advanced, at least in their thinking, and、um, you can kind of tell how people react to news that we put out or announcements.、Um, you can kind of. Make assumptions on like how much experience they have in the space, which can also kind of hint at their age. So yeah, I would say now we're looking at maybe twenty three to thirty five on average,、um, somewhere in there, which is not a bad thing at all. I mean, whether young or old,、um, it's just it's fantastic to see so many giants in terms of like experience able to to help those who are brand new and who are younger、um, in the space. I see what you mean, and and I, God, man, yeah, you either get wiser out of suffering or from from learning from others, right? So it's I, I can imagine、uh, the people who choose to stick around and and open up their their value to the network are people who have who have been through one of those two、uh, loops, right? So either have dealt with some struggle or.、Have, Have been mindful enough to learn from others.、Um, it it it's one of those topics that I actually feel would be very interesting to kind of open up, right? Because a good investor is often a wise investor, right? And I think those two things are interlinked, not just by how many decisions you make, but how much you put into, how much thought you put into, not rushing your hand, of course, and also just making sure that you consulted yourself with the people who have <laughs> who have suffered in. The wrong investments, right? I mean, and I can, Jesus, I have tons of stories of that.、Um, it 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 seems to me that I keep learning sometimes the same mistakes, right? And that tells me that I haven't learned 
the lesson from those mistakes. And FOMO being clearly one of them that keeps coming back and perhaps will continue to come back until the day I stop investing uh, is is one we all have to live with. I think increasingly as we go deeper into Web3, uh, I think the age span is important, not just because uh, I can't say all the people are wiser, but all the people have had an ex- access to, to more failures and more struggle than younger people. Right. I don't know how old you are, but uh, but I can count a few on my hand, at least uh, moments that I would gladly share with others. Um, right. And at the same time, I'm very curious to hear what other people have to share. Right? I, I enjoy the podcast for that kind of stuff. Um, I think there is there's a lot of value to take from that. Um, but of course, it only is value if, if the podcast addresses the real needs and potential the, the struggles of the community. Um, and and that those are some that I don't still know what are. Right? What are the real struggles? Yeah, that that is actually a valid point. And um you know, my schedule right now, it, it might be busy, but I am always looking for new people to have on the podcast. So I think moving forward, um, if I see somebody in the in the chat, I might just pull them into voice chat. We might just have like a whole impromptu recording of the podcast right then, because I feel like it's important for me to be as active as I can in terms of, of being available to, to hear people out, because people tend to respond a little bit better to spoken word. Um, and I'm not always like online at the same time as somebody else. They might not always have free time when I make an announcement. I'm like, hey, if you guys want to do this, this or this, reach out to me. Um, so I could be missing people 100%. I could be missing topics. I could be missing struggles, triumphs, all of it. So my main goal is to try and interview as many people from the community as, as possible because we have so many different resources to pull from. It doesn't make sense to shut out certain people from certain time zones or or who have certain schedules. It just doesn't make sense. Like there is so much more we could learn. And and like just today, I have I have a bunch of different interviews to do on different topics. Um, and this being one of the very first, you know, I have I have another project uh, to record after this. And then I have somebody coming on to talk about um, tragedy, loss, um, anxiety, and all that stuff. And you know, some of this stuff is hard topics. I, I would agree. Um, not everyone wants to open up about it. But like I said earlier, um, the more vulnerable, the more vulnerable we are, the more open everybody else will be to share. So I, I definitely appreciate your your opinion on that, and I want to want to start grabbing as many people as I can to see what they have to share, on what their personal experiences are. 